0: In our Bible lessons from the First Epistle of John, we continue our consideration of chapter 3, verses 4 on through 10. In the first uh, area of comment, we have stated the descriptions of the pathway of sin that appear in this passage. And we have seen that the most clear definition of the New Testament appears to be that sin is a state of lawlessness. Or a refusal to comply with the reasonable commands of God, as founded in man's endowment and creation in the image of God. It is indeed tragic that man has substituted the principle of selfishness for the principle of love, and thus this passage makes clear that there is a twofold division of humanity into those who are willing to conform to the ways of God and have thus been reconciled through God, and those who have refused to thus be reconciled and thus continue in a state of selfishness or the practice of sin. We have as our second great area of consideration the Advent and Atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the last part of verse 8 we have this important statement, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. This word destroy basically means to unloose any person or thing tied or fastened, and thus is properly relating to the bandages of the feet or the shoes, to unloose one bound, to release from bonds or set free, hence to discharge from prison. Thus we might say that the Son of God was manifested in order that he might unloose or undo, might unbind or untie, might unfasten or dissolve, might break up, overthrow, do away with, demolish, destroy, or nullify the works of Satan. What a clear description this is of the purposes of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ in luke 17 21 the lord jesus affirmed that the kingdom of god is within you then in the 18th chapter of john's gospel and verse 36 the lord is appearing before pilate and he thus affirms that my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight that i should not be delivered to the jews but now is my kingdom not from hence. And thus when we speak of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, the evil inspirer of selfishness, we are talking about kingdoms that are not materially visible, although their manifestations are indeed so. Now the Lord Jesus clearly recognized this kingdom of Satan. For example, in the 11th chapter of Luke's gospel, and verse 17 on through 22 we read these words but he knowing their thoughts said unto them every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against itself against a house falleth if satan also be divided against himself how shall his kingdom stand because ye say that i cast out devils through bills above and if i by bills above cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. So the Lord Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, and he specifically refers to Satan's kingdom. And thus he recognizes a great state of lawlessness in existence in this world. In the last verses of 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, we have this amazing statement, The whole world lieth in wickedness, or the whole world is reclining or laying outstretched continually in the evil one. What a profound situation to realize, and yet it does account for all the evils and all the tragedy that we see about us. In John chapter eight and verses thirty-four and thirty-six, the Lord Jesus affirmed the positive dominion and power of sin in these words: "Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin." The word "servant" is the word "bondslave," and the Oriental bondslave was indeed a picture of total submission. And so whosoever committed sin, the Lord Jesus said, is the bondslave of sin. And then we are so happy to have verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So the Lord Jesus, by the very purpose of his advent, came that men might be freed from the dominion of Satan and transformed into the glorious relationship of the kingdom of God in happy, wonderful deliverance by the grace of God. In the sixth chapter of Romans and verse 16, we notice that this slavery to Satan's kingdom is a voluntary slavery. Know ye not, the apostle Paul wrote, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. So we are voluntarily in submission to the principle of selfishness and thus confine ourselves to Satan's kingdom because we choose that it should be so. The deliverance of the soul from this whole tragic area is not an easy problem as we can see because we are willingly uh, in submission to Satan's principles and are not willing to be delivered in first 1 timothy 1:15, 1, the apostle paul also made the great statement concerning the advent of the lord jesus when he said that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners so here we have the wonderful statement in various places in the new testament that the very purpose of the advent of the lord jesus christ was that Satan's kingdom might be intruded upon and that a pathway of reconciliation, deliverance, and restoration to God might be made possible in the completest sense. But if the Lord Jesus Christ was to be this Savior, we have a statement in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, the last part, In Him is no sin, and thus it is necessary if the lord jesus is to be the savior of the world that he himself should be free from sin this is very obvious the scripture has affirmed the wages of sin is death and if the lord jesus christ had partaken of sin then of course he would have to die for his own sin and thus he could not die for the sins of the whole world so the whole redemption of the lord jesus christ rests upon his sinless perfection he could face his enemies with the declaration which of you convinceth me of sin the apostle paul in second corinthians 5 21 recorded these profound words for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him and thus it was imperative if the Lord Jesus was to be the Savior of the world, he must himself be free from sin. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, we have a wonderful expression of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on himself the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And so the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, and by his sinless perfection he was able to give his life in death for the sins of the whole world. In 1 John 3.5 we have a statement as to the nature of Christ's atoning work in these words. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. The word take away might be rendered to bear away, and it has the idea of carrying off or carrying away with one to take away or remove, and thus to bear away what has been raised, or to remove the guilt and punishment of sin by expiation. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, we have this wonderful statement. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And thus we see the tremendous problem of reconciliation could only be met by an equally tremendous event. And so the Lord Jesus, as the scripture affirms, bore our sins away in his own body through his death. As the apostle Peter wrote, he bore our sins up to the cross, and there he tasted that great climax of death for the sins of the whole world without any partiality. This made it possible for God to offer the free pardon of sin, and the complete restoration of the sinner to himself. The great problem of the forgiveness of sin in the government of God was met by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. If punishment for sin was to be set aside, some equally effective measure must be presented to the moral world of men and angels as a deterrent to the pathway of sin or to establish and confirm the government of God in the forgiveness of sin. And so the Lord Jesus Christ by His death made it possible for God to offer the free pardon of sin to all who would repent and turn from sin and exercise faith in this atoning death. The atoning death of Christ also revealed the inner hatred and righteousness of the great God of the heavens toward man's sin. This had to be a revelation if man was to be reconciled to God and God was to be manifested to man. And so the atonement of Christ also humbles a sinner and brings him to the place where he is willing to forsake his sin and be broken down over his sin. Thus we have the profound statement in this epistle that the Lord Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Oh, how wonderful to experience this salvation. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful beyond all words for the wonders of thy precious gospel and thy manifested love, and that the Lord Jesus came into the world and through his sinlessness did not deserve death, and thus could die for the sins of the whole world. And now we, through repentance and faith, may have thy wonderful forgiveness and reconciliation. How we pray that many this day may avail themselves of thy abounding mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we have with regret been announcing the discontinuance of this faith of our Father's broadcast which has been going on for over two years. It's five or six evenings a week from this station, KGEI. December 30th will be our last. We thank God for all the blessings He has bestowed upon us as we have sought to minister to you without any remuneration of any sort. Have you been helped by this effort? Have you been brought nearer the things of God? Or have you experienced salvation through the blessed gospel that we have sought to present? If so, won't you write us? Box 841, San Carlos, California. We will send you without charge a booklet by your speaker to remember us by, and other booklets in the near future. Also, we will have tape recordings available for loan of these Bible studies, if you would be interested in such. Kindly address us, Box 841, San Carlos, California.